Tommy, and this week we have a very special episode for you. We've listened to some of your feedback, and this week's episode is shorter, much shorter. In fact, we even left the whole moment of the week, own goal, and Champions League segments on the cutting room floor because it didn't meet our high standards. Look, all jokes aside though, I wish I could say this was by design, but alas, through some technical difficulties, some of our content was unusable. Not all was lost, though, um, and we still have some great Premier League uh, and A-League content for you this week with Damo, Colby, and myself. I think you'll enjoy it just as much as this Wolves fan enjoyed Raul Jimenez's goal against Chelsea this week. Listen closely for the screaming towards the end. Here's Jota. Jimenez. Jota. He's got to get away from Rudiger. It's Raul Jimenez! in slow motion but it went in for Wolves and Raul Jimenez for the second time this season scores against Chelsea and they are within sight of a league double over them here Chelsea giving it a go playing the corner short to Willian as I'm looking for a way through and he has done it magnificently when you want somebody to come up with a goods so late, so importantly, you can always rely on Edin Hazard. Alrighty, into the Premier League uh, results from this week. Uh, you had Matty Ryan's Brighton uh, defeated Palace 2-1 in the derby that's not a derby derby. Um, Do you mean a derby? Yeah, that too. <laughs> Uh, you also had West Ham and Spurs lend a hand to relegation strugglers Cardiff and Southampton. A little bit of charity there, which is nice. Uh, both relegation candidates got a much-needed three points apiece there. Um, in other games, you also had Newcastle took a big step towards safety after a comfort-behind victory 3-2 against Everton, which will surely ratchet up the pressure even further against Marco Silva. Uh, however, Fulham and Huddersfield sank even further into relegation trouble after limp losses to Leicester and Bournemouth, respectively, which is probably good results. Not outstanding results, but good results for Leicester and Bournemouth, respectively. First win for Brendan. Uh, Fulham looking improved under their caretaker, Scott Parker, but yeah, just not good enough. And yeah, they'll, they'll go down. They're vaulted on. Exactly right. Um, at the other end of the table, both City and Liverpool had comfortable wins over Watford and Burnley, with Sterling nabbing a hat-trick for the reigning champions and Mane nabbing a brace. Uh, also had Bobby Firmino uh, nabbing a brace as well. Thanks for that one, boys, in the earlier segment. Oh, yeah. Bobby and Mane just uh, took it away um, after Pick, Burnley, the slack. Burnley took the lead with the old cross-come shot from the corner. <laughs> Uh, after, uh, you know, bamboozled Allison thanks to three Burnley thugs who just tackled him as the ball was coming in, but uh, did the job, and that obviously identified a weakness there. Of, of all the flavours you could have picked, um, you had to go with salty, didn't you? <laughs> even, in, even in victory. 
Uh, look, I, I just wanted to, to to sort of flag two things about this game. Um, one was Liverpool's attacking performance, um, and we all we were all talking about this um, as watching this game at the pub. But um, uh, Burnley scored very early, and after that, Liverpool played like it was the 85th minute. Um, it, was like, a lot of, it felt like there was a lot of panic. A lot of panic, and their whole game plan just seemed to be to pump balls into the box when. Like you would think, you would think that's what Burnley like defending the most. They're very comfortable for you to just and I think they put got, balls into the box. Yeah, and I think they got uh, quite fortunate with the first goal they scored, the one that just fell through to Firmino. Yeah, because Heaton had a shocker. Yeah, and but ironically, that that let Liverpool play a lot better, and it took the pressure off having to chase chase a result. And they were brilliant from then out. They Once they got so those goals, it was just all swagger and it was it was back to back to regular programming. Changed. Yeah. That that ten minute period where they were down ten, fifteen minutes where they were down one nil, Liverpool looked and the stadium you could feel the anxiety and the stress and the pressure pressure by just watching and listening to the fans through 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 the T V. And um, I mentioned about uh, Big Shaq not getting any game time before boys, but um, Adam Adam Lallana uh, just uh, started this game. Was it the second goal uh, that he was key in? Yeah. Yes. His, his challenge when he closed down Bardsley um, just made that goal and was worth the sort of it was justified his sort of spot in the in the starting eleven alone. We, um, we were really frothy around that one at the pub, like yeah. saying, "Yeah, the the goal in itself is good, but just that desire to to he really threw himself into that challenge." On the opposition's eighteen yard box. I mean. You'd be forgiven if you just didn't really throw in a challenge there and you got the ball back and, and you rebuilt. But to throw yourself in like that, to win the ball there, so you got the chance to score a goal, was brilliant. brilliant from Speaks Lola. volumes, doesn't it? Of, yeah. the, sort of, the, of his desire the, as well. Yeah. Because the other, the other point is, or the, the sort of stepping back, um, the broader point about Lalana and, and Liverpool's midfield is that they've sort of been chopping and changing the midfield all season, whereas the, you know, the back line injuries notwithstanding and, and, the, and the front three have stayed constant. Um, Liverpool have been looking for someone who can not only sort of take control in midfield, but can also, uh, you know, offer a bit of creativity. Um, could Lalana, do you think, be the, the answer to that question, at least in the short term? Definitely. I, I think Lalana's brilliantly creative. I think his touch is like magic. Sometimes um, he's a very technical player, and there aren't a lot of English players like yeah, that. Yeah, but I, but what I've always questioned about Lalana is is his desire to want to work hard pressing, and it looks you know, and and that challenge is a, uh, I mean, it's indication that something has clicked, and he, you know he's he's now willing to do this work, and maybe he hasn't always had that intensity. I don't there, think has he, he has, and that was always my question of Lalana. He's brilliant creatively and in the midfield, but for some reason he he feels like he lacks energy at points. He's also struggled with injuries, I guess, over the last couple of years yeah. as well, which has been a huge problem for him. And maybe that is. Maybe he's just the fittest he's been in a long, long time and he's able to, to run that a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in other games, though, uh, you had Chelsea and Wolves uh, shared the points overnight uh, while advantage Arsenal in the race for the final Champions League place after they defeated Man United at home 2-0. Um, in that one as well, we also sorry in the the Chelsea Wolves game particularly, you had Hudson Odoi and Loftus Cheek get minutes for Chelsea, which um, in sort of uh, the the fallout of them getting that transfer ban, obviously now keeping those two players in particular um, key. is so key. One, they're English, they're young, but and really in the last couple of years they haven't shown them any love, given them any minutes, and it's understandable why they'd want to leave. Um, but they they need to urgently say to those two players in particular, you're a key part of where, where we want to be in the next sort of three to two to three years. Um, 
Yeah, and interesting that Sari's um, yeah willing to look to do something different. It's not just the the Pedro for Willian or the Willian for Pedro change or the Kovacic for Barkley or the Barkley for Kovacic change. And um, you know, in a bit of that game, it looked like um, Kante might have even been playing as as a, as a six. Whoa! Um, so, which was which was really surprising, but um, yeah, despite uh, Wolves defending resolutely and looking pretty in control for the most of the most of the game, um, yeah, Chelsea were able to just get that equaliser right at the death. Yeah, so uh, look, that pretty much wraps up the Premier League. Though we've we've gotten through this in in quick time after a big focus on the Champions League uh, midweek and the upcoming games. But uh, next up, uh, the A League. Okay, so uh, on to the, uh, the A-League now to wrap up things. Uh, last week in this uh, split round, you had Melbourne City hosted uh, Perth in what was billed by the City, fan, or sorry, the city, city PR machine as a top-of-the-table clash. Um, but, uh, Cute. <laughs> so you had uh, J-Mac uh, open things up with two goals in the first 35 minutes, goal in the 26th minute and then a penalty on the 35th minute. Um, and it looked like uh, City were going to hold on to things uh, after some resolute defending. But, yeah, they shat the bed once again, uh, losing a lead. And um, with Perth uh, scoring in uh, two in the last ten minutes, uh, which meant that the things finished up there two all. Um, now, that was particularly frustrating for George and I, who were at the game. You might have seen us do some uh, some Facebook Live stuff on the, on the Facebook page. Um, but yeah, that was particularly frustrating. That's that's two two weeks in a row that City have now conceded uh, a lead and and gone on to draw when really they should have taken six points from both uh, City, from both games. City dealt uh, with the heat worse than you and George. Yeah, we were struggling. Couldn't we were, handle the pressure. It was so bloody hot there. <laughs> but, but, but Perth keep doing this this season, and yeah. I think that's the sign of a good of a good team, isn't it? Where they grind out points. It's very Popovich-like, grinding out points late in games. You know, it's the top of the top of the league for a reason. And they didn't look like they changed much about how they played either. They just, they yeah. were just calm and just keep keep trusting in their plan and just keep doing what they do best. A lot of belief in themselves yeah. and in the plan. Which, like, um, we were talking about Liverpool and how they just seemed to panic and it didn't. They weren't sure if the plan was going to work. Yeah. And Perth here, felt I guess, like you had the opposite. opposite wasn't yeah, it? exactly. Um, and it, it felt like there was a sense of sort of inevitability about Perth coming back as well, and I might have expected it to have come a little bit earlier. But even as the game wore on, you always suspected Perth were in with a chance. And when it was deep in injury time, you were almost sort of thinking, "Oh, they're going to score a third, and they're going to win this, aren't they?" Which just would have been a really hard pill to swallow. Um, but look, it does only leave four points now between Newcastle and City. Um, uh, which means that, as I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, Newcastle is still a chance to make the top six, and and City, City have got to keep finding points. They've got to keep um, getting results, otherwise they could see themselves drop out of the six. Uh, both Newcastle and City have both got um, three top six sides to play, uh, so both have got a pretty relatively uh, similar run home. Um, in the, the games from this weekend uh, of this split round, you had um, Brisbane went down 1-4. Uh, um, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, to, <laughs> to us in Sydney. Yes, that's correct, um, Tommy. 1-4. Yeah, I, I couldn't even read my own bloody notes then for a second. Uh, did you guys watch this one? Yeah, Damo and did, I actually uh, caught this at the pub. Did, um, did you regret watching it? Uh, yes, well, <laughs> a little bit. We were loving life after the first 10, 15 minutes where... Brisbane went 1-0 up. Dylan Wenzel-Halls, who's been in 
Your brilliant boy. form. Your boy. We, we called him from the start of the season. He's finally getting some games. He's what got five goals and two assists in five starts or six starts now. So, you know, um, he, maybe he could have saved Aloisi's job if Aloisi had played him. But Who? Yeah, exactly who. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, then it's all fell to bits and Brisbane do what Brisbane have done all year. And it, it, was, it was kind of sad to watch because Western Sydney aren't a, aren't a great side this year and they kind of just... Made Brisbane look like children in a way. Yeah, and on the other side of that coin, Damo, our defence made the Western Sydney sort of front three or four just look like absolute yeah. kings. I mean, Mitch Duke, since returning to the A-League, has been um, in particularly good form. and he, A revelation? He, he equalised uh, sort of like eight minutes or something after Dylan Wenzel Halls' opener, and it was through a sort of rare Jamie Young mistake. But then the double... Horrible defending as the well. The double from Riera, though, that with that PlayStation volley, um, like, I'd be mad. <laughs> I'd be mad if the, the AI scored that against me in FIFA. Yeah, like, yeah, that happen. was a ridiculous goal. Uh, and then from there, the, the Wanderers just run rampant. Um, and, um, yeah, so this is just... I mean, this is really like two... Two finals teams with um, sort of nothing, or two teams missing finals who have got nothing left to play for, and both looking to rebuild for next season, and, and sort of one team going around about it in the right way, and sort of you can see what a good manager is able to sort of do with that team, and where he's sort of going with that rebuild already, and one team who are just absolutely rudderless at the moment. You're talking about uh, Brisbane's defence looking horrible. Wanderers actually had 26 shots in the game. Like what? How? How do you let another team have 26 shots during a game of football? Yeah, well... I mean, we how, much, how much injury time was there? Like 20 minutes just from them chasing the balls? <laughs> yeah, hardly any. And, I mean, Damon and I were commenting on this as well. Um, you know, when you're back, when you're back to... When your centre-back pairing is Tongik and Pepper, both of them who didn't have particularly bad games, but they're not, they're not a starting centre-back pairing for any A-League team. I mean, Pepper's not even a centre-half. He's a central midfielder that's playing centre-half because we don't have anyone to play there. Like, I'd be perfectly happy to have them in the squad for emergencies if we had two great, uh, you know, two good <laughs> centre-backs. But, uh, yeah, you, you can't be expecting to win too many games when, when that's your that's your defensive pairing every week. Um, but I just wanted to talk about the, the sort of two strikers for each team. I mean, we mentioned Dylan Wenzel-Halls, but, boys, where do you rate Riera? I think when he came in, there was a lot expected of him. Uh, probably higher ceiling than than he sh- that should have been put on him when he first came in, and maybe he didn't live up to the hype that um, that that everyone had put on him. But since he's come around, and there's a little bit of that pressure has dropped off him. I feel he's really grown in to the Wanderers and grown into the way they play, and he's he's brilliant. He he plays exactly how they need a striker, and he's a striker they need to build a team around. He can hold the ball up. We saw the goals he can score. He heads balls. Like, he, he can do everything in terms of what you need a striker to do in the A-League. Um, but I, w- I would say he's one of the top, one of, you know, top three or four strikers in the league. What about you, Tommy? Yeah, well, what's he, what's he got? Uh, eight, eight goals this season, I think. Yeah, eight goals. So, look, like, he's, it's not a bad output, but... You're probably wanting better output if you want to be cracking in top six and you want to be pushing for sort of those top two spots. And he's he's the number one striker there, isn't he? Yeah, but don't forget how bad um, some of Western Sydney's performances were uh, early in this season. So I think you see if that team can sort of stick together and build, and they you know they get in the new stadium, they get the RBB back, they get the crowds back. Babel's able to implement his plans. I think he's going to have a big year next year. He doesn't strike me 
um, if I can make, I guess, a comparison between sort of one of the all-time great A-League players, you've got Bessart Brisha who would carry a team on his back. Mm. And Riera doesn't strike me as the kind of player that he's going to try and do that, that he's going to um, run through brick walls for mm. his team, that kind of thing. Yeah, look, on his day, he's a good player, good striker, can score goals. Like, look, he's probably going to break double figures this season, I would say. But he, I think Riera's a player that needs creative players around him. Agreed. I don't think Borussia needs that. He can create his own chances. Agreed. And they are very different players. So I guess my, my comparison isn't totally the, the best. But I guess um, Western Sydney, like they, they struggled pretty much across the park this season. And even Balmiohan, like... He's he's been good. Well, he got left out of the tra- he got left out of uh, Western Sydney's squad um, because he was uh, not putting in enough at training. Babel came out and confirmed that after the game and said, I'm, I, "I don't like what I'm seeing from him in training." And he left him out of the squad altogether, so he wasn't even on the bench. And that's good that like the the manager has the, I guess the balls oh, to make huge that respect huge for call. that. Yeah, your marquee player, you've, and everyone's got to keep up to a certain standard. And you've seen that with. Um, with Popper at uh, at Perth as well, how he's sort of, you know, brought in Castro for a, an actual full preseason, whereas you know he usually sort of swans in when he wants and does what he wants, and he's got he's got that whole squad, um, you know, bought into what he's doing and believing, and you know, sort of everyone has to, uh, you know, meet the same standards, and I think that's great when it, when a coach can do that and really mark their authority on a team. I agree, except when it's Joyce and it's Fornaroli, <laughs> <laughs> or Kilkenny, or Cahill, or etc. Et yeah, well, there's marking your authority, and then Joyce there's out. like. Just you know, just freezing guys on the out club and, and, yeah. and, and setting it on fire. It's a, it's a different. <laughs> you mean financial group? Oh, here we go. It's a different kind of way of throwing your weight around, isn't it? But yeah, so so they've got Riera on on one side, and it's pretty clear that Western Sydney should keep him and um, build their team around him next season. And it looks like um, all signs are sort of pointing towards that's what you know Babel's going to want to do. Um, but what about um, Dylan Wenzel Halls uh, at Brisbane? Damo, I don't know whether you have a view about whether Brisbane, you know, they, they obviously need a re- big rebuild next season, but should they be sort of focusing on other areas, you know, such as the back line or, you know, elsewhere in the midfield and sort of build that front line around Wenzel Halls? Do you think he's he's good enough to play as a nine or a ten? I think he's, he's definitely good enough. Um... Could he play as a nine and a half a la Kane? Well, actually, he did that um, at the end of the game, and that's that's one other thing that I wanted to talk about about this game. Um, we saw actually some answer the question some <laughs> little semblance of tactics from DD. We'll 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 go back we'll go back to that later. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Sorry, Damo. You know, I, I think Wenzel Halls is a good player, and I, I think Wenzel Halls is a good player, and he he's he's good enough for the A League. He'll score a lot of goals in the A League, but at the moment, I don't feel as though he's a player you can build a squad around. I think he's another one of those players that needs good players around him, and I think he needs a good striker with him, personally. I think playing a front two up front, I, I wanted to see Taggart and Wenzel Halls play together. I thought they would have been brilliant together because uh, I thought they well, complemented each other. And you don't think Lacolli and Goy is going to be the guy to Maybe. bring the play off? I mean, we, we, did, <laughs> we did see a bit of what he... What, what he can bring to the squad. Um, maybe Babal coming off the bench as well um, in his NFL number. But, <laughs> yeah, look, I, to answer your question, I don't think Wenzel Halls is a player you can build a squad around as per you can do with Riera. Yeah, and, yeah, that, and that's that's right. Um, uh, Darren Davies did try and at least sort of throw, um, you know, a sort of bigger man in there and let um, Dylan Wenzel Halls play um, in the hole a little Just bit or as a second a striker bit, yeah. playing off him. And that looked... Um, that looked to be, uh, you know, at least having some sort of an impact towards the end of the game. But um, Western Sydney were just too too good for Brisbane in this one. 
Yeah. Um, speaking of teams that were just too good, though, uh, or I'm not sure if it was Wellington being too good or, or probably a combination of Central Coast just not being good enough, which has been a bit of a familiar tale for them this season. Um, Wellington, I think, I'm pretty sure that's a new record for the most, uh, the high scoring, high scoring game. Equal. It's an equal, equal. record, yeah. Um, uh, so Central Coast obviously are having a terrible season, pretty much just a rabble going from uh, season to season where they're having a new coach come in and every every year there's a little bit of optimism sort of around them, but yeah, things just aren't really going their way at the moment. They they got spanked overnight by a rampant Wellington who, um, yeah, Central Coast had their problems, but Wellington did play very well. Yeah, um, like it was an understrength team. Matt Simon, Aidan O'Neill, both out suspended. Hool out, presumably at the pub. Uh, <laughs> Connor Payne uh, was dropped for disciplinary reasons. So they had a lot Jeez. of their key players out. But, I mean, that's still no excuse to get carved 8-2. You, you can't, you just can't make excuses for that. And, and even then, even if you are, you're down sort of 3 or 4 nil, like you, you, you keep just it limit the damage, and yeah. you play for pride. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of pride from a lot of the players from what I could see. And, yeah, they got two back towards the end. But and I remember getting all of the notifications on my phone while I was out and thinking, oh, no, imagine imagine the scenes if this is a comeback and they get something out of this. Obviously, that by that point, it was 8-1, but still would have made a nice story. Well, there was that meme uh, where someone had superimposed onto the scorecard uh, seven goals by Usain yeah, Bolt in the, in the 70th <laughs> <laughs> minute. <laughs> Uh, yeah. is, is this Central Coast side the worst A-League team we've seen? Or the, um, the New Zealand Knights, I'm Ooh. thinking, Gold Coast. Yeah. Oh. I, bet this, this team this season would, would be up there, Damo, I think. Yeah. But I, I don't know. There might be a bit of recency bias in there to say that they are the yeah. worst because I think they're probably not quite as bad as some of those other teams we mentioned. But, yeah, um, yeah well, they're, got, they're definitely in the conversation. I've got here, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, it's called uh, The Pecking Order. So, it's a. I've heard of the pecking order. It's yeah. a Facebook page, a Twitter oh. account, and they do the rankings for the all the clubs, senior men's sides in Australia. Oh right, uh, including yeah. NPL clubs and and all that. And so they've they released their latest um, rankings of clubs in Australia. Sydney FC, top the list. Um, Central Coast Central Coast Mariners have actually dropped down to 16th in the country. So they've dropped behind five different MPL clubs. That's Bentley, Leichhardt, Heidelberg, Avondale, Sydney Olympic, and Campbelltown City. Apparently are all better sides than Central Coast Mariners right now. It's just really sad because they were they were such a consistent team over the first, what, six, seven, eight years of the A League and they've really dropped off so far as yeah. as you're as you're demonstrating, Damo. Um but ultimately, uh, Mike Mulvey, the, the coach, has been held responsible for the lack of performances this season. He was sacked uh, literally overnight. Yeah. I think it was it came out on Twitter pretty close to midnight. So um, he didn't even make it to the morning to get sacked in the morning. Um, <laughs> You're getting <laughs> sacked in the evening. <laughs> You're getting sacked before tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, they, well, Mulvey came out after the match and in the, in the sort of post-match press conference where they, they sort of mic him up on field and put him behind that, put him in front of one of those screens. It was, you know, you could what sort of... What did he say? You, well, he you knew. Could, he knew his, his he, job was gone. He you knew his job tell. was on the line, but you could... Uh, it was just, yeah, pretty bad for him because all you could hear in the background was the Wellington fans just belting out songs and, and he was trying to have an interview with Tara and he was saying, look, one, one thing I'll tell you is I won't quit. I'm never going to walk away from anything. And, you know, obviously it took a bit of uh, arm wrestling in the... Um, uh, the crisis meeting with the club that ensued. But, yeah, obviously he, he got his marching orders after that. 
And rightly so, I think. Oh, absolutely. I you, don't think he offered anything to that club when he came in. You can't not pull the trigger after that. And, I mean, we, we've said this before, but, I mean, he he was a, a little bit unlucky in, in, you know, some of the things just didn't work out for him. I mean, he brought in Tommy Orr and Ross McCormack. Um, both, both of who would have worked. Aiden I think Aiden O'Neill you could call actually a success story. I think he's been one of their better players. But, um, you know, with the, with the other two big names in in Orr and McCormack, he really, he really got unlucky there. Um, and... That some of the seeds were even sown before he even arrived Correct. with the silver leaving and yeah. on the like Danny De Silva loan rule. Yeah, yeah, which just speaks volumes, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it says that like even the young promising players who they know they're going to get a game there are just like no. Nah. Just we don't want to play there. I prefer to sit on the bench elsewhere. That just sort of brings me to to one other point that I wanted to make about um, this sort of match, um, which is that you know how much of this do you put down to the Mariners as a club? Like Mulvey obviously had to go with his win record such as it was, but um, you know uh, how much of it can be level like placed at Mulvey's feet? Um, you know, do, do the problems run deeper than that? I think Central Coast uh, in a huge crisis. Whichever whoever they appoint as their manager. I think they've got a lot of problems on and off the field at the moment. Their, their attendance at the game against Wellington was just a shade over 3,000 people, which... Oh, so grim, isn't it? Which which is... It's In some ways, though, horrible. it's kind of even surprising they got 3,000 there. Like, they, yeah, but they, the fans are rocking up expecting to get flogged. Like, yeah. what's it going to be the next time they have a home game? And the Mariners have been a side that they've never got huge crowds, but they never really dropped... They've Low, always been consistent. Eight, nine, They've got 10, a core thousand. group of very loyal fans. They do. They have yeah. very loyal fans. And th- and this crowd was a third of what their average crowd usually is. So, mm. you know, they've got big problems at Central Coast. And, and when these fa- these loyal fans that have been there for now, what, 15 years, have just had enough, it's kind of the writing's on the wall, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, really sad. And I guess, like, we sort of were at this point a little bit with Wellington over the last maybe 24 months where... Everyone sort of said, well, what are they bringing to the league? And I think we're almost getting to that point now with the Mariners where it's like, well, what are they bringing to the league? Like, every year they're terrible. Like, they, they're not, they don't have any fans. They're so close to Sydney that, well, are they even a separate market? Arguably, yes, they are. Yes, they're a distinct region, but... But on the other hand... Like you... they're not, I don't think they're even spending close to their salary cap. No. Like, they're being run on a shoestring... Like, what's the point? Yeah, but I, and I think you're right. And the owner, I think, needs to sell. I think it's Charlesworth, isn't it? Oh, I'm not sure who the I'm owner pretty sure is. it's Charles, Mike Charlesworth. Yeah. And, like, if, you, if you're not going to do it properly, like, find, find a buyer and sell. Yeah. Um, which I think is, I would argue that it's it's down to him. And, look, a, a culture has really, a really sort of poisonous culture has taken, taken root in the last what, three, four years, yep. maybe five years even. And that is, that is going to take some serious work in the next... Not next season. It's this is more than one season's work to, to change that. But culture. in saying that, you just yeah. you brought up Wellington Phoenix and how we, you know, Central Coast are now in the kind of situation that Phoenix were in for two, three, maybe four years previously. But all, they were never this bad, though. No, but but all it has taken Phoenix was a little bit of kick up the ass, saying you know you could you could be gone, and then bringing in someone like Mark Rudin, who's essentially come in and not just been the manager of the football club but he's changed the culture and he essentially runs like he's a general manager of the football club. Mm. He has taken over... He's the, a British-style manager. He's taken over the business of the club, the managing of the club, the culture of the club, and he's just changed everything from top down. I totally agree with that, Damo. That's, that's what, I think that's one key thing that the Mariners need. And Tommy, when you talk about culture, I mean, it's 
clearly pretty messed up when you've got Hool who's just frothing and flaunting it all over Instagram like he doesn't care and then just calling in, to, calling in sick to training all week. You've got Connor Payne getting in trouble. You've got Matt Simon just on the loose doing Matt Simon things and he's the <laughs> captain. Um, yeah, so and that's just that's just a couple of senior players. Um, yeah, they, they've clearly got a, a cultural problem there. I don't think that's one season worth of of, of Mike Mulvey's influence. I think no, that's, that's, that's before Mike Mulvey as well. Mike exactly, Mulvey, he, he didn't he help. Was destined to fail from the start because he's not the kind of manager that can come in and create a culture. So when he came in at Brisbane, he came and he took over Ange Postecoglou's culture and kind of ran with it and had a bit of a successful period because of that. He never created anything, and, and, and if in a way, are you he, saying he's a fraud? Well, he's he's a stra- <laughs> stra- stra- strawberry strawberry blonde thinning hair fraud. <laughs> wow. Um, maybe what we're saying, I guess, is they need they need Warren Joyce there, and they need to do more skinfold testing, and um, yeah, that'd just sort things out. They need ha- to get, happy to loan and, uh, lend him to you. Please. You need to get all the all the toxic managers out out <laughs> of the A League. But you know what I thought who would have been great in that job is John Hutchinson because he's someone who cares about the football club, and I feel he's got the same kind of attitude and outlook on football as someone like Mark Rudin. But I mean, that chance is gone now. Yeah. He's the assistant at Western Union, so yeah, Western United, yeah, Western United. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> We've already got multiple nicknames for this new club. I love yeah. it. Get them out there. Get them out there. Um, yeah, boys. The, um, uh, I mean, as much as the Mariners are, are pretty terrible, you've, you've got to give it to the Knicks. And we, we mentioned Rudin and, and their turnaround. This is the Knicks' biggest ever win, surpassing their 6-0 win over the Gold Coast in 2009. Um, they're solidly in the top six now. Well, they've actually jumped up to fourth spot yeah. now. They've leapfrogged Adelaide, which is awesome for them. Like, Crazy. Um, it shows that... Yeah, look, if, if you put some of the right sort of structures in place, they can they and can they had, be competitive. What, they had a crowd of 24,000 people at Eden Park, was it two weeks two ago? Two weeks ago, yeah. So, I mean, the Knicks are doing things right at the moment, and it's good, it's good to see because, you know, this time 12 months ago, I was probably sitting here saying... What do they offer? Maybe eighteen months ago, was what? What do they offer? I, I would wouldn't wouldn't be bothered if they, the Knicks were to leave the league. But br- now I think they're very valuable asset. They well, bring some color to the league, which like same the, color as Mariners. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but they bring they bring some interest, and like we are, we're we're a league that um, the the A League sometimes can feel a little soulless, like with the likes of Melbourne City contributing to that. But I think like Wellington, they bring some color, they bring some culture, they bring. A, a sense of, of community, yeah, yeah, a point of difference as well. I was sort of struggling on what what uh, what to call it, but point of difference, I guess, is is kind of it. And sort of like the Welsh teams in the Prem, a little bit, yeah. Like like they they have the flavor. potential, that, yeah, they have the potential to be a really positive contribu- uh, contributor, but um, they it's need to pull really their, they need to pull to their work, weight. Though, has it? And, no. but, and but now it feels like something could be coming together, but. If if the rumours are true and that Mark Rudin's going to Western United, do the wheels fall off? Yeah, and that's the that's Damo, that's the challenge um, for the Knicks. Obviously they've they've got a you know, this season, yes, they want to go into finals and they want to make an impact there and, and you know, put in a good account of themselves, which I think they will do. Um, but the real the real test for them will be next season if Mark Rudin leaves as, as he's being sort of strongly rumoured to do. Um, and, you know, you've got the likes of the Fiji and Meshi, uh, Krishna. Uh, Meshi. Meshi, uh, leaving as well. Um, you know, Connor here with us. It's going to be, uh, it's gonna be really, uh, really challenging um, for them to sort of back it up. And they could easily, uh, you, you think, Drop back down to, to the level where we where we saw them um, previously. Yeah, it's um, interesting times ahead, though, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, I think the A League needs a bit of invigoration, and Western United, and hopefully the 
MacArthur Southeast team will do just that. Southwest. Southwest, whatever it's called. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do just that. They are, yeah, they can't really come quick enough, those, those two extra yep. teams, can they? But look, boys, I think that pretty much wraps things up, doesn't it? So, uh, look, thanks for thanks for tuning in this week and listening to us bang on about football. We've enjoyed it. We hope you've enjoyed it too. Um, be sure to check in with us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we're going to try and start a little bit more Facebook Live stuff when we're out live at the games. Might even see a, a frothy uh, video of us at the pub if, if we're watching one of the games. So um, Likely. <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Sweet. Sweet.